Uh, so I'm Pastor Chris, and I get to share today with you uh, the the like I said, the last of a series in Jude. I'm super excited. This has been uh, been fun. The uh, preaching on Jude is one of those things with pastors that's like you never do it. <laughs> it's like you just don't. It's it's this book that gets forgotten about, and I have enjoyed it so much. Uh, Pastor Josh was the one that actually kind of initiated this and said, "Hey, we should do this." And Jim and I looked at him and we went. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and now we really have enjoyed it. So I want to say welcome online. We're so glad you're joining us uh, in the room or online. Hey, online people, guess what you get to do? You get to greet, whereas the rest of us don't. So, so say hi online. Say, say like something. Say what you're doing. What are, you, are you in your pajamas still? What did you have for breakfast? Uh, do it, take a moment to say hello online and, 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 and send a shout out. And you can also do like amens and all that good stuff. So be interactive if you're, if you're checking us out online. Make sure you do that. All right. And in the room, you can do amens too. It's okay. It's acceptable. So here's where we are. We are going through the book of, of Jude. And, and what I want to start by is I'm going to back up a little bit and just look at the whole Bible. <laughs> this is the Bible, the Word of God, uh, uh, the story of God. It, it is the Holy Scripture. It is an amazing, amazing uh, text. I would call myself a big fan. <laughs> I wouldn't call myself a scholar. I wish I, w- wish I could, but I just, I just don't think I'm quite there. I'm, I'm at the big fan status now. To give kind of an example of what that is, is Pastor Jim likes to refer to me as a Trekkie. Uh, if you don't know what that is, it's Star Trek, and, um, but I'm, I don't think I'm a Trekkie. I think I'm just a big fan. I, I think that's what I am. I'm nowhere near where his level of, of, uh, of being a baseball fan is. Like, he, he knows things that I can't even wrap my head around. He has so much gray matter devoted towards baseball. I don't have that much towards, towards Star Trek, but I am a big fan. And one of the things I would say that means is that I can see themes. Like, if you're a big fan of some genre, some, some, some TV show or movies, thing, you see when, when they make little Easter eggs or they do little, little, little throwbacks and there's little things like in Star Trek when the person's wearing the red shirt, it means they're going to die. <laughs> um, so, so there's little things like that. Well, the same is true of me being a big fan of Scripture, that I think there are some themes that go throughout that are just amazing. What I love about this book and why, one of the reasons I'm a big fan is I can see that from Genesis to Revelation, there's moments where God gives these Easter eggs of the gospel because the whole thing could be summed up super easy, the whole story. It's simply this. And there's, there's different words you could, different ways you could sum it up, but you can sum it up very easily. It's God's pursuit and interaction with his loved creation to bring them back to himself through Jesus Christ. In one word, it's the gospel. That's what it is. The Bible is all about the gospel. It's all pointing towards that from, from beginning to end. It's pointing towards Jesus. And Jude does a great job of this. That even though there's 66 books and dozens of pen holders, they, they, all, they all do this. But Jude is amazing because it sums up the gospel so well in one little short book. There's 461 bird, words in, in, uh, in Jude. 461, that's it. It is a short, short book. And I like short things. So, <laughs> all right. So, Pastor Jim, Pastor Josh started us off with the first 16 verses. We're going to jump into Jude and, and look at the end. I get the best part because their part was kind of like a little bit negative, and my part is a little bit more positive, actually. It gives us more direction on what we need to do. So, so please know that, that if it doesn't sound real positive, it really is. There's this cool essence of what Jude is saying, 
And if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to it. If you're, if you're at home and online, go find one. Go dig one out because I want you to write in it and circle things and, and do stuff. So find, find Jude. And we're going to be in Jude chapter. Well, there's no chapter because there's only 25 verses. Uh, Jude is at the end, right before Revelation. So go find that. All right. We're going to do this. We're going to read through these verses. And then we're going to go back through them a little slowly together. So I'm going to read to you. Verse 17 starts off with, But you... My dear friends, must remember. Everybody say remember. One, two, three. One more time. There you go. Remember. I'm going to have you do that a couple more times, so be ready. You online, do it too. You can type it in. What the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ predicted. They told you that in the last times there would be scoffers. That's a good word, fun word, scoffers, <laughs> whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. That's key. They follow their natural instincts. That's also key. Because they do not have God's spirit in them. But you, you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say Holy Spirit. There we go. All right. If you, if you have a Bible, you can underline it even too. And await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourself safe in God's love. And you must show mercy. Everybody say mercy. mercy. There we go. Write it in. Write it in. Say mercy. Shout it out. You must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Everybody say rescue. rescue. There we go. Good job. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins and con con condemning their life, con that's contaminating their lives. Sorry. All right. The last part here is this really cool kind of like benediction that Jude gives. It's beautiful. Now all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away, and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. That's a beautiful line, without a single fault. All glory to him alone is God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. Say Jesus. Jesus. There we go. And authority are his before all time. And in the presence, this present, and beyond all time. Amen. Let me pray. Father God, we give you thanks for your word. And right now, Lord, I pray that, that you enter into this place in a, in, a, in a radical way. That your word becomes alive within us. That it, that it becomes flesh within our bones and with our breathing. Lord, I pray that all the words that come out of my mouth are, are pleasing to you. And anything that isn't from you is forgotten about immediately. Lord, I pray that your word transforms us into the likeness of your son. In your name, amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to dive through, and we're going to walk through kind of what Jude is saying. It's a short letter, but it's a hefty letter. There's a lot going on. He packs a whole lot of punch into these short verses. It starts off with verse 17. But you, my dear friends, must remember, as we said earlier, remember. How do you keep the faith? You remember. That's what you do. What the, what the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ predicted. There's this remember thing. Something that this tells us is that Jude is speaking to a particular audience that has some foreknowledge of what the apostles said. Meaning that they either had a personal connection, they knew them, 
or they had heard the letters and the things that they had written, or they had heard stories, or they, there was some kind of connection that was very close to the apostles in order for them to remember. After all, if you didn't know something, you can't remember it, right? right? I mean, that's the way it works. If you didn't hear it first, it's, you can't remember it. That's, that's what we find out there. Now, interesting for our context is that for some of us, that's, a, that's okay. We, we, we need to remember. There's things about our faith that we were taught, and now we can remember, but we have to acknowledge that there's a lot of people that may be tuning in online or maybe in this room that that idea of remember is like, well, I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't how will I remember this? So, so please know there's some grace that even though this, this letter isn't written directly to you, there's still great things because we want you to know these things. Last week, Pastor Josh spent some time going through the things that they were supposed to remember. He went through the Old Testament stuff. If you haven't seen it, check it out online. He did a great job of talking about all the different things that they should remember. But we live in a bit of a post-Christian world, so we have to be aware of the fact that uh, that, that there's plenty of people that we need to tell for the first time. And actually, that's really cool. Because in, in other words, then we get to be like the apostles who get to tell the story for the first time. But to this, this context, he's telling them to remember. That's key to having a faith, that you need to remember. Now, what is he telling us to remember? That's the next thing. So there's two things that G, Jude highlights. There's lots of other things that the apostles said. But there's two things that Jude is going to highlight. First of all, is that there will be scoffers. There's going to be negative Nellies, grumblers, grouchy joy suckers, <laughs> Susie Downers. And you're saying, wait a minute, that's not, it's, it's supposed to be the other name? I'm married to somebody named Debbie, so it can't be that one. It has to be Susie, because otherwise she gets a little bit upset with me. So it's Susie Downers, not, yeah. <laughs> that's the first one. Second, people who follow their ungodly desires. So let's, let's look at that. What, uh, this, oh, by the way, so what does he say then? He says, those two things will be signs of end times. Well, gee, doesn't that sound like any time in human history <laughs> that there's negative people and people following their ungodly desires? Thanks for clearing up that timetable. That's, that's appreciated. Thank you. <laughs> so, all right, so let's go back to the grumblers. What's the sign of the grumblers? Verse 18. They told you that in the last times there would be scoffers, grumblers, complainers, whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. What is a scoffer? I was reading a commentary. And uh, I read the commentary on this, and it gave this great definition of what it is to be a grumbler. And I, I read it, and I'm like, I don't want to say that. <laughs> that hurts too much. So I'm going to read it, even though it's going to sting. Here's what it says. Whenever one gets out of touch with God, they likely begin to complain about something. <laughs> to grumble and moan is one of the distinguishing marks of someone without God. <laughs> Let me read it again because it stings. <laughs> Whenever someone gets out of touch with God, they are likely to begin to complain about something. To grumble and moan is one of the distinguishing marks of someone who is without God. Can we all just say, ouch? <laughs> ouch, that hurts. That stings because it is true. And the Bible's pretty clear on it. Philippians 2 says, do everything without complaining. Everything, how much? Everything without complaining. Uh, and, and arguing, everything without arguing. Wow, that seems, well, doesn't that seem delightful in our 2020 uh, time right now? No arguing. So that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God. Shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Basically, it just says, stop complaining. That's what the Word of God says. First Jude says, hey, 
You shouldn't be complaining. You shouldn't be grumbling. You shouldn't be doing those things. That's not the way that we're supposed to be. Ungodly desires is the cause of that complaining. So what does it mean to have ungodly desires? How do we identify what that is? The Bible goes through a lot to tell us about this. We're going to walk through just a few verses. In Galatians 5, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit. So it's starting to give us a hint of what it means to not have godly desires. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In Romans 12, it says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and perfect and pleasing. Our natural desires are not good. It's, it's something that is very countercultural that, that we hear more often than not say, do what comes natural. That is not the truth of God. The truth of God is that what you will do naturally will, pro- will not bring honor and glory to God. That we need to let God transform our desires. That the Holy Spirit dwelling within us is what will bring about things that are pleasing and good to God. And it will also be fun. <laughs> that's the thing people miss. That, that you think that, that if you don't follow your natural desires, well, that's going to suck. No, it's actually the opposite. You're going to enjoy things more when you allow the Holy Spirit to transform your desires because your desires will now be in line with God. We talk about how being, a, being a, a Christian and following Jesus, that there's these fruits, and the Bible tells us about these fruits that get produced in our, in our soul. Well, it would seem that there's actually fruits from living into our ungodly desires as well. And one of these fruits is division. That, that Jude is clear that this, there's a creation of division, that when, when, when we create division, we are not living in the Spirit of God. Friends, we are in one of the most divisive times in any generation, perhaps. And we as Christians, as followers of Jesus, are called to not add fuel to that particular fire. We're called to bring unity. We're called to bring people together through the gospel. The core of what what, uh, Jude is getting at is is that, that through the Spirit of God, we bring unity. That we get to be unity bearers and bringers. And that's just amazing. Now, the gospel itself is... uh, it, it, it is... Um, it is something that will divide, but not be divisive, if that makes sense. So let me, let me try and delay it. It will divide people into two camps, those that either walk towards Jesus or reject Jesus. That is a truth. However, it will not create division amongst people in other, in other spheres. It doesn't do that. that. The gospel brings people together over and over throughout Scripture. It talks about this, that we are to be a people that is united. And I'm just going to read some of these things to you that, that, that 1 Corinthians— uh, says, verse 10, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, and there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. First Peter says, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherhood, and tender heart. So it goes on to tell, this is how you get there. How do you get unity? You start doing these things. We're going to get to more of that in a second that Jude talks about. Philippians says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Colossians says, and above all else, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Jude is getting at this core that through love, through grace, through mercy, we're going to get there. That's how we find unity. But our natural instincts are not to do that. Our natural instincts are to divide. Say us and them, us and them. And that is not our job. 
It's uh, a friend of mine used to say that uh, it's uh, why do you have to blow my candle out to make yours burn brighter? <laughs> I think that's a good definition of the human condition. That we, we tend to think that ours will burn brighter if we can blow others out. And that is not what the Spirit of God is, not what the gospel would say. So let's, let's, let's keep moving on. So in the midst of all this division, there's one thing in common that we do have. And I think this is one of the things that brings us together is that guess what? We're all sinners. <laughs> that we've all fallen short of the glory of God and need a Savior. So how do we do this? How do we move into this? Verse 20, but you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourself safe in God. So how do we do this? How do we bring unity? How do we do? It's praying in the Holy Spirit. And I would say that there's even more this, to keeping our faith, that not only do we pray, but when we pray in the Holy Spirit, we will automatically start to be led by the Holy Spirit. And we say all the time in church, you need to be led by the Holy Spirit. This is something that you've heard before. If you've ever been in a church, you've probably heard that the Holy Spirit needs to lead you, that God needs to lead you, Jesus needs to lead you. All, said, you know what we don't do a good job? is telling you how and what that looks like. <laughs> that, that I'll be honest, we, we struggle with that. Sometimes we just assume that people know, but if you push me, it's really, it is a difficult, challenging thing. And I think we're going to spend some time in, in future messages even talking more about this. I'm just going to give you three quick hitters on how to be led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, the first is submit to the indwelling. Submit to the indwelling. If you're taking notes, write that down somewhere. Submit to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes upon the, the disciples and Peter steps forward. And the very first thing he, he says is that, that, uh, that, 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 that we're not drunk and that, that the Holy Spirit has dwelt within them. It's interesting. Theologically, so the Holy Spirit has always been. It's part of the Trinity, right? But it didn't dwell within us until Acts 2. That before that, there was this separation of veil between us and God. That there were, we, were, we were never before that time able to be as close as we are actually now. Now, why is that? I'm going to take out, go out on a theological limb here, and I may be, I may be wrong. So, please have grace. <laughs> that I think it's because that the Holy Spirit couldn't dwell within us before we fully comprehended Jesus. And until Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and resurrection and ascension— we were not physically, emotionally, spiritually capable of containing the Holy Spirit because that understanding wasn't there. But now we can. And now we can submit to that indwelling once we understand that Jesus gave his life for us and was resurrected and brings forgiveness and grace to us and salvation. So get to know the Holy Spirit. You do this through prayer, through word, through experience, through time. Through prayer, word, experience, and time. The word you got, you got to get to know them. It takes time to get to know them. Like any relationship, if you're in any relationship, it takes time to get to know them. And eventually, you can start to predict things about them. The same is true for the Holy Spirit. The more time you spend, the more you get to know the Holy Spirit, the more you'll understand. Recognize it's leading. I started to allude to this earlier. Recognizing it's leading, Peter's first words are, we're not drunk. Sometimes we think that if you're led by the Holy Spirit, it means you mean to be miserable and crying. <laughs> that's what we, or, or just crazy. It's like these, these extremes. And that's not true. That the first thing that, that, that Peter says is, hey, we're not drunk. Which means what? They're sober. They're, they're focused. They're clear. They're, they're, they're driven. Yes, it may be countercultural and it may be miraculous. 
That is true because miraculous things happen when the Holy Spirit works through us. However, it doesn't mean we have to be out of control. The Holy Spirit has a deep, deep vein of control and steadfastness. And it also will bring unity. Sometimes the Holy Spirit pulls us out of our comfort zone, but that doesn't mean it will make you miserable. Please get that right. The Holy Spirit will pull you out of your comfort zone, but it doesn't mean it makes you miserable. If you think that that's what it is, that's not who the Holy Spirit is. That's not true. So Jude goes on to say, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and await mercy. And talks about this eternal life that happens, this eternal life, that, that you get to experience eternal life that begins now. That you get to be engaged and enjoy justice and, and fight for the needy and help those that are in need. You get to do those things because that's part of living into the eternal life you will one day understand and fully. We do this mostly by verse 22. Jude tells us, verse 22, and you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. How do you keep the faith? You show mercy to others. Oh, so I think we can all agree on one thing. 2020 sucks. Can I get an amen? You know what it does, though? It gives a lot of opportunities to show mercy. <laughs> I mean, think about it. That guy with the mask, the guy without the mask, the person, the, the, everybody needs mercy right now. That is a reality that we all can appreciate. A friend of mine said, uh, said recently to me, it was just this great statement. I just keep rolling around my head. He said, you know the one thing we have in common the last few months? We've all been wrong at one point or another. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get another amen? That's like, that is true. We've all been wrong at one point or another in the last few months. Well, that means we get to show mercy. I think that there's a key there, too, when we show mercy. First of all, mercy is not getting what we deserve or giving what somebody deserves. That's what it's all about. And the way you get to mercy, the, to show mercy, I think is empathy. I think empathy is the doorway to mercy. Empathy is the doorway to mercy. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a little homework assignment. Take out your phone, or if you have something to write on, who are you going to show mercy to this week? There's somebody in your life that you know that you should be extending mercy to. Text yourself. Text yourself that, that, that person's name, and you take action to show mercy on them this week. It may be starting a conversation, even though you avoid it. It may be just showing up. Whatever it is, there's some action of mercy that you can show. And guess what? Jesus already texted himself your name. <laughs> Let that sink in. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's keep going. Verse 23, it goes on to say, Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. This can be summed up into bring others into salvation. Friends, we are mandated over and over to spread the gospel. It is not a it is not a question of whether or not you get to. It's not a pastor's job. It's not a missionary's job. It is every person who gives their life to Jesus is mandated to spread the gospel and share the love of Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do, to snatch others from the grips of hell through Jesus Christ. That's what we get to do. And you are qualified. You are empowered. You are called. It is not an optional function of a follower. And it's not limited to just inviting them to church because Frankly, that's kind of weird right now. You can't even do that. So, so clearly it shouldn't be that. <laughs> it's, you can barely do that. So, so what is it? It means sharing what Jesus has done with you. How has Jesus transformed you? It means, means expressing love. There's all sorts of ways. And if you need help on doing that, you let us know. Because that's our, actually our job. That the church's job is to help equip you to do that, not to do it for you. That is your mandate. And that's what Jude points us to, is that we are to spread the gospel. 
This brings us to our final thought from the short and hefty letter of Jude. The end of it ends with this, this, this benediction, this, this, this thing that just kind of sends us out, and it is beautiful. It is a beautiful few words, and we're going to read it again. Verse 24. Now all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away, and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence. Without a single fault, all glory to him alone. Who him alone is God. Our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time. And in the present and beyond all time. Amen. Summing this up, it is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about him and his glory and not ours. And I tell you what, that gives me great peace. Because if it's all about me, life's going to look an awful lot like 2020. It's going to be a hot mess. <laughs> it's just going to be. It's, it's not going to go well if I make everything about me. I've tried it. You've tried it. We all know this, that when we put everything about us, things go off the rails quick. It does not go well. When we make it about Jesus, then everything changes. Now, sometimes we think we need to make it about other people. Now, that, that, that's, that's admirable, but you shouldn't do that first. You make it about Jesus first, and then Jesus will make you care about other people first. That's how that's going to work. But it has to be about Jesus first. Worship is not this. It's not me teaching you and preaching in another way. It's not us singing. Those are great things. Those are great forms of worship, but it's not. It's you and me living our life in big and small ways and giving all the glory to Jesus. That is what it is about. And Jude ends with that hope and that joy of how to keep your faith just make it all about Jesus, because that's who deserves it. And whether you're here or you're, you're online or whatever it is, this week, make every second and every moment about Jesus. It's not that hard. We think that it's hard. By the way, making everything about Jesus doesn't mean you have to be perfect. That is not true. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to give glory to Him. It's all about Him, the big and the small ways. So how do we keep our faith? We're going to go through it real quick again. We remember the truth of the gospel. We remember that truth, that the gospel matters most. We pray and be led by the Holy Spirit. We show mercy to others in all circumstances. We bring salvation in Jesus to everyone we meet. We, we seek opportunities to bring salvation. And above all, it's all about Jesus. And when we do this, we get to live in such joy that it will flow out of us. Would you stand if you're able? And let's pray. Father God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for your word that challenges us to, to live into who you created us to be. That, that, that reminds us that our own tendencies, our own nature isn't to be trusted, but we shouldn't find sadness in that. No, that we get to find great joy in that because your Holy Spirit can dwell within us and that you can change our desires and our hopes to be in line with yours. Lord, I pray that, uh, that in this room that we're going to go out and we're going to show mercy in radical ways and that we're going to live into the gospel and share it with everyone we meet and make everything all about you. In your name, amen.